So every year before the kinnis of the Shoya, before we say the kinnis of, of, of Shwab, and the Baba Rabbi Shusi Yohainu, and we end with the Litsiyayim, say a few words. It says in the kina, in the Shwab's kina, the Simrai Sashan, the Kita, the Kivshan, Tilei Tilum at Samus Vagidim. Simrays Arsham. The chimneys. The thick smoke from the furnaces. <coughs> moans and limbs piled high, holes of poison, moans and screams of multitudes, choking in gas chambers, the stench of corpses, dead bundles of skin and bones, food for the soil of the hangman. How the tormentors turned human fat into soap and skin into ornaments for their women. I want to tell you a story, to share with you a story of the Simrays Arsham, which we're familiar with from Chumash Simrays Arsham. A pillar of smoke. Some of you, could be many of you, read or are reading, also this could be read on Tish above, the Zechroinis of Ravlau, Zogazanzai. I think everybody knows the story. The youngest child in Buchenwald eventually and now Tel Aviv So the Zechrainis came out some years ago in Lashna Kaidish. I read, I read uh, a little bit more than half of it in Lashna Kaidish. Now it came out in English. It's called Out of the Depths. I'm sure many of you are reading it or have read it, Out of the Depths. Also, it's uh, the summer reading list, Out of the Depths. Besides the beginning, and where he came from, such an interesting life. So, again, I'm sure that many of you are familiar with this story and how he ended up in Israel. His brother Naftali saved his life. Yitain Yachzav Yitain saved his life again and again and again and how he survived the little child was only because of Naftali <coughs> and after many 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 of of events they made it to Israel now keep in mind that Rabbi Lau's father 
was the Rav of Pietrikov, was considered to be one of the Gedolim of all of Poland. It's a cousin of the Meir Shapiro's Chalavachim. So when the news got around in Israel that there are two children of the of the Rav of Pietrukov who survived, so the Polish shares a plate and Sadikim who were in Israel were very very excited. And on page. 111, if you have the book out of the depth, take a look at the whole thing. I'm just going to read to you a little part. Page 111. Rabbi Lau describes how his brother brought, brought him, his brother brought him to Ger. This was as this was his first, the first time in in a in a Hasidic court. He grew up in Buchenwald. and at that time, of course, the Rebbe was the Emiramis Schusiyayim. The Mehmet's got there, it's just so. And that whole story. And he was there with his holy sons, the future rabbis. So listen to this. After this first encounter with the Hasidic court, Naftali joined me to spend the night at the home of the Werdiger family. At 5.30 the next morning, Nachman Elbaum, some of you might know, knocked on the door and called Naftali to join him for morning service of Sashachus at the Rebbe's study hall. And they walked there together. At 6.15, Rebbe Yisrael entered. The son of the Emirates, of the Rebbe of Gur, and his successor. He is known as the Beis Yisrael after the title of his book. So the Beis Yisrael, the Beis Yisrael wanted to speak to Naftali, to Rabbi Lau's brother. The Rabbi stopped next to Naftali and greeted him, extending, extending his hand. You must be Naftali, the son of Rabbi Shechaim of Piotrkov. Where is your little brother? The Rabbi signaled to the Shamans to honor Naftali by calling him up to the tire. And pointed out that he should bench Garmels. Pointed out the Brachet that he should, that he should bench Garmels. The blessing one recites after being saved from serious danger. After Naftali said this blessing, Rabbi Yisrael Alter, the base of Saul, asked the other congregants for quiet to allow Naftali to say the Kaddish alone. For Naftali to say Kaddish by himself. Then he asked Naftali to join him for breakfast at his home. Now that's not the usual way the base of Saul was with people. 
And Naftali was clean shaven. He didn't go as a chassid after the Muhammad. Since making Aliyah, Rabbi Yisrael lived by himself in an apartment across from the study hall. His family was killed. The base Yisrael was lived by himself across from the Bismarck in a small apartment. At that time, he still did not know what happened to his wife and children, although eventually he learned that they perished in the Holocaust. <coughs> Later in the day, Rabbi Yisrael invited my brother to have dinner with him so they could talk, while I, Rabbi Lau, remained with the Werdigers. Naftali was to retell the story of that night many times. The rabbi pleaded with Naftali, the survivor, to eat heartily, while he himself ate sparingly and in silence. Afterwards, the rabbi signaled to Naftali to follow him out into the street. They strode without speaking down several Jerusalem streets. Occasionally, the rabbi would fix Naftali with a penetrating stare. That sounds like a basis, so then continue his hurried pace. They kept crossing street back and forth. Suddenly the rabbi stopped and grabbed Naftali by his lapels and asked urgently, Did you see it? An astonished Naftali answered, See what? The rabbi continued, As if it should have been obvious, the smoke rising from the chimneys. The basis all wasn't in, in the camps. The smoke rising from the chimneys. Naftali was shocked by this question and gave him a positive reply, but the rabbi did not relent. You saw the burning with your own eyes? He pressed. When Naftali once again answered yes, the rabbi turned around and strode swiftly back up the street, his body bent slightly forward. The rabbi who had lost his wife and children to the gas chambers was lost in thought, contemplating the fate of his family and followers. They walked in silence to the street corner. Then the rabbi again shook Naftali by his lapels and asked him in Yiddish, Are you sure you saw the chimneys? Again Naftali gave his confirmation. But the rabbi would not permit any remaining sliver of doubt and continued to probe. And did you also see smoke rising from those chimneys? Did it burn or was it you or was, did it burn or was what you saw with your own eyes just a building with a chimney? Were the bodies burning or was it just a building with a chimney? Naftali replied to the rabbi's questions with decisive precision. Yes, I saw smoke. And I also saw what they put into the crematorium to make the smoke come out, he said, choking back his tears. The rabbi placed his hand on Naftali's shoulder and was shaking him and asked, And did you see the Holy One, blessed be He, beside you? This is one question Naftali could not answer. And they fell silent once more. The rabbi, noticing that Naftali was exhausted by the conversation, invited him to sleep over at his house. It was a night he never forgot, and he found it difficult to fall asleep from the emotions that the evening's probings had brought to the surface. Did you see the Holy One, blessed be He, standing there with you, watching 
your family and my family go up in the smoke. That's what the basis of is, Naftali Lau. Naftali didn't answer. He didn't answer the basis of. <laughs> But Naftali Lau continued with his life as a Jew, Shemimisus. He built a beautiful family. So, how did Naftali get up the next morning? I mean, this is something that I've been thinking about my whole life. And I'm not the only one. I mean, the basis hell asked a good question. And and who could be Masik what that was like? I've I've played this scene in my head over and over since I read it. Over and over. Did you have to know a little bit about the basis soil a little bit? So I was like to see a few times the basis soil. Shaking Naftali, asking him again and again, "Did you see? Or was it only the? Was it only maybe it was from another building? Was it?" And then finally, Naftali said, "No, I saw them putting the bodies in. I know what it was. The smoke, the Simrais Asham, the chimney. I knew what it was. And did you see the? Did you see the Holy One, Blessed Be He? Did you see Kadosh standing there with you, looking at the chimney?" At the smoke. And I've told he couldn't answer. And he couldn't sleep. So how did Naftali allow and the others go on? He didn't have an answer. So it was a Tamachachim by the name of Avram, Rabbi Avram Abba Weingart. Rabbi Avram Abba was one of the biggest Talmidim of one of the great, great Gedolim who survived. Rabbi Chir Yaakov Weinberg was the author, you know what Sefer is that? The Sri Day Eish. Even the name of the Sefer. Sri Day Eish. What was left over from the fire? He was a very, very, very remarkable person. The three days, very complicated, very different. But that's not for that's for a different time. Some of the things that the three days wrote about the Muhammad, some of the things that have been censored, some things that are now back. It's Bonli Harv and Bonli. Things that he said. Okay, so this Rabbi Avram Abba was single handedly, maybe it's not so fair to say there were others too, but he was leading the others in putting together the writings of the Sri Daesh. 
and learning after the Muhammad Swedish in Switzerland. That's where the Swedish was, after the Muhammad. Now Rabbi Avram Abba, this Rabbi Avram Abba, this Tamakhachim, had a, a very great grandfather. He had a grand, grandfather, a very big Tamakhachim. They put out some chulas of his last year that I have upstairs. Rabbi Elia, Rabbi Elia Buchako, Buchko, Buchako. It's a tremendous Tamakhachim. Also a very, very big Mechadish. Very different, very interesting person. Also censored. Ksavma coming out now. Writings. And his grandfather, Rebbe established a yeshiva in Switzerland after the Mulham. Rabbi Avram Abba was once walking in Natanya. And in Natanya, he met an old Jew. He was walking on the street and he met an old Jew. And they were talking a little bit. They sat down on a bench. And Rabbi Avram Abba said that he's from Switzerland. And this old man got very excited. And he said, you know, there's a Shiva there. Did you hear there's a Shiva Bachako? You heard of him? So Rabbi Abba said, you know, that's my Zayd, that's my grandfather. So the old man was very, very misragish. Very, very emotional. And he said... I have to tell you that your that your grandfather changed my life. The Shashiva in Switzerland that he changed my life. How? He said that I wasn't I lived in Switzerland and I wasn't in the Holocaust. Most of my family was in Poland. And most of my family was killed. But for whatever reason, I had ended up in Switzerland before the Muhammad, and I was saved. At that time, he said, information was arriving. We were beginning to hear in Switzerland, we were beginning to hear what was happening in Poland. And he said one time, your grandfather was giving a shmuz in the yeshiva and the subject of the shmuz wasn't about the war but the subject of the shmuz was Koyachatvila the power of Davni Koyachatvila Koyachatvila to be poiled, to change things, to affect things and the old man told Rabbi Avram Abba I'll tell you what happened it wasn't so nice, but I couldn't hold myself back. Because I was hearing, we were all hearing reports every day about what was going on in Poland. Where my parents lived, and my grandparents, and everybody else. And we were getting in these reports. And I couldn't hold myself back. Your grandfather was in the middle of this schmooze. On the Koyach of Davni, Koyach of Tfila. And I screamed out, where's the Indian of Tavning in Poland? Where's the Koyach of Tfila in Poland? And what does it help them in Poland to scream out, Kel the God who guards us and protects us. And I screamed out, Rebbe, you'll forgive me, what's the koyach of the Tvilaki Kel Melech, 
Rachum Bechanun Ata, the great compassionate and merciful king. Could you tell me how those Tfilis are poil in Poland? What are they doing in Poland, those Tfilis? He says, I, I was all red, and I couldn't believe they had such a chutzpah to scream this out. And people were shushking me, telling me to sit down. I stood up and I was screaming. And he said, your grandfather, the Rashiva, was silent. And there were a few moments of silence until finally your grandfather said, and this changed my life. And your grandfather said this. He said, yes. He said, I have the same question. I have the exact same question that you have. The only difference is that I asked this question in my davening. Not outside of my davening. It's part of my tefillah. I daven this question. And the old man told Rabbi Abba that ever since then, I still ask. I still cry. But it's part of my tefillah. It's part of my conversation with the Bari Ovan, with the Creator. Toich Kedei Tefillah. There's a story that many here in the shul know and maybe you heard from outside, uh, you saw it in the svarim. They say from different tzaddikim, but it seems, uh, after looking into this, that it seems that the most authentic source of the Maise <coughs> is the Rebbe Reburi Strelaskis, Chusigin This is also Maise that that uh, is censored. It's not a story that, that we would have been ever told when we were growing up in Yeshiva. The Rabbi Aburi Streliske had a certain chassid. I've told this a number of times over the years. And the chassid stayed late after Shachis, everybody already left, and he was by himself. And his minig was, this chassid's minig was, that he would say after after davening, at the end of davening, he would say the animamans that's printed in the siddur. And the Rebbe Buri Streliske was sitting in his room, he had a little room off the Bismadrish, and he heard that there was a yid that was crying in the Bismarck and Rabbi Yisraelisko put his ear to the wall to hear what's wrong, what's going on, who's crying here and Rabbi Yisraelisko heard this chassid saying the animamans but he was saying the animamans with tears, crying The Rebbe left his room and went out And the Chassid jumped up And he didn't know the Rebbe was, had been there And he saw the Rebbe And the Rebbe asked him Why are you crying? What's wrong? And he said I'm, I'm saying the Animamans The I believes The Animamans So we asked him Why are you crying? 
So he said, I'm crying. I'm crying because I'm not sure. When I say Animamin, he says, Mimonavshach. If I believe in Hashem, in other words, if I believe in these things that I'm saying, Animamin, I really believe in them. If I really believe in them, then how do I act the way that I act? It's a good question. If I really believe that Hashem is also Oyseviyasa, that Hashem watches and sees if every single second we're held accountable. So if I really, really, really believe in these words that I'm saying on Imamin, then how do I explain my life? Then how do I live the way that I live? Which my life is a contradiction to these animamas. So if I believe in the words that I'm saying, then I don't understand who I am. And the only other choice is that I don't believe in the words that I'm saying. And I'm imam. I don't believe in the imam is that I'm saying. And the person starts to and this chassis starts to cry hard. And he said, And what if I don't believe in what I'm saying? It's also a good question. So the Rebbe Abu Yisraeliska the Rebbe Abu Yisraeliska said to him this is not how you say the animamas. And if you're, and if you're London, you might not like what Rebbe Yisraeliska said. He said, that's not how you say the animam. He said, the animam is a tefillah. And that's why you say it in the Siddur. And it's printed at the end of davening. And the Rebbe told the Chosid that what you should think about when you say these words is you say, Rebbe Shalom. Master of the world. I want so badly to say these words, Animam. But I have many, many kashas that are surrounding my head and many, many things that are covering my heart. Rebani Shalom, Azar Li, help me. I'm begging you to help me that I should be able to say the Animam with a full heart and with full faith. You know, that's how the, the Bedichev I've told you in the past, that's how the Bedichev used to learn Chomish. That's how we learn Tayyar. Grace to the Lokim Shemayim Asaris. Varis Haisasov Varis Haisasov Scary, scary, right? The beginning of the Torah is very, very scary. Very terrible. Because the four, the four Lashainas are the four, are the four Goliaths, right? Baruch Haisah, Sahu, Ravoyu, Vachayshech, Tahayim are the four exiles. So the B'ditcher said, Oivay. So Vayayimah, 
so I said, Elokim, Rabbi Yishlalim, he he are. He he are. That there should be light in the world. Thy he are. Rabbi Yishlalim says, Levi Yitzhak, okay, I'll put, I'll put light into the world. That's how Naftali Lau went on with his life. He went on with the basic cells question. It was the basic cells question. It was the question of Sadiq Yisadailan. The basic cell also had the question. You understand? But the basic cell asked him, was Akashborhu next to you? You, Naftali, you're the son of the, the Robert Piatrikov. You grew up in a very, very fiery Hasidic home. You grew up in a world that was intoxicated with God. That was filled with God. And you, I wasn't there, you were in the concentration camp. And you saw the Simrise Ocean, you saw the pillar of smoke. Naftali was a Kaddish who next to you. I heard once from a survivor that he said, that a song, everything I have, what I need. So this survivor said, that's not so hard when it's That's not so hard. When you take me to pasture in a beautiful field, and you lead me along beautiful rivers. Put a Shalom, help me. He said this. He said that he said this. This is what he davened. This is one thing that he davened the whole time he was in concentration camp. That gam ki Even while I'm here in this place of death, I shouldn't be afraid. Help me not to be afraid. Because even here you're with me, and I'm davening to that you should give me that feeling, that clarity, that you should help me, that I should feel like, like the Rabbi Yerburi says, I believe Shalom help me to feel the kiata imadi. Where Shabbos after I gave the shir every Shabbos before Mincha I gave the shir in the mountains to the chaver there for men and women. And I was talking before Tishuba and I spoke something about the Indian of, of Eiv. I've been giving Shiurim in the, the summer on Eiv. Every Shabbos on Eiv. Baruch Hashem, it's not taped. I don't think it's going to be taped. But the Chavah there is a certain amount of sufferings on the Chavah. There was Nifta and sorrows. So after I finished the Shia last Shabbos, I, I came outside after Mincha, because after the Shia is Mincha. And I saw there was, I saw there was a, an old woman that was standing there after, outside the shul. And I could tell right away she was Hungarian. I have a three sign for that. But it helps when it's a tall blonde shape, you know what I mean. Tall blonde shape on a 90 year old head. Can't miss it. 
<laughs> Rabbi, could I have a few words with you? I also know the accent very well. I said, uh oh. You know, there's a little picture talking about the Holocaust, and then I knew right away. I got here to the real McCoy. And while I was talking, she was in the front row, and I saw that I was going to already, you know, have to deal with this. And so, she said, I, I want to tell you something. I'm always very embarrassed with these conversations, and she's, I gave the Shia, she's supposed to give the Shia, you know. So, she says to me, she said, I was, I was in Budapest during the war. Now you know that Budapest was the last place that the Germans got to, the last. And they lived during the war. It wasn't Gewaldig. They were able to eat. They had what to eat. During the entire Mulchama, only at the end, at the end, the Germans got there. Again, the Steif was there. At the end, it got very bad. But during the war, they were there in Budapest. And she said, I was there on Christian papers. She said, I looked like a Gaita. I didn't look Jewish. And I had Christian papers. And there was a kind family, a Hungarian family there in, in town, that I worked for. I was a maid. I was working there in the house. And I had what to eat. My mother and my father and my four sisters were killed. In Auschwitz, I was the blonde one. So maybe that's a real hair. And I had Christian papers and I was able to get this job in Budapest. And I ate the whole time during the war. And then she said that the Germans were in town and they were coming around looking for Jews. And I, she said, I took out, she showed me, she said, I took out my, she had papers, Christian papers, and she said she spoke a perfect German. And she took out her, her papers and she said that her hand, she was showing me my hand was shaking. She said, I worked together with, with somebody. And she said, what you, why are your hands shaking? She said, why are my hands shaking? The, the, the Nazis are walking around, coming looking for Jews. And, and what if they find out that, that I'm Jewish? She said, you have, you have the papers that you need. What are you worried about? When you speak German, you have papers. But she said, I couldn't stop shaking. And then the person said to me, well, if you're a Jew, if you're really a Jew, then you believe that God is with you all the time. And if He wants you to die, you'll die. And if He wants you to live, you'll live. And she said to me, Rabbi, I promise you, my hands stop shaking. And she said that I survived and I came by myself to America and she said that, that I 
haven't gone a day without thinking about what was my mother thinking and my sisters when they got out of the train there in Auschwitz and what was it like and how did they die I think about it and she says in that way I'm also a little bit like Eve that you were talking about but she says I don't have any more questions if God is with me and God was with me she said I came to America she had her I think her daughter-in-law was standing next to her here's the family grandchildren, great-grandchildren all from Jews Shemitah and Mrs. so she didn't have the answer to the basis of question she didn't have just like Nathalie didn't have the answer and Eov also didn't have the answer but Eov had that reality of Ki'ate Imadi and Aftali Lau the Beis Yisrael and this wonderful woman she's of long years without any fanfare you can be sure that you can be sure that she didn't learn the Malbim not on Eov and not on Ki'ate Imadi she didn't learn the Malbim on it but Ki'ate Imadi Hashem's book should help that the Simris Oshan of Shrav that we're going to read about in a minute, that the pillar of smoke that came from the chimney of the crematory of, of my grandparents and your grandparents and great grandparents, that smoke will never ever be seen again, but the smoke that will be seen was Vaharisha Kula Kaoshan Techla. The chimneys will be filled with the Rishayim who did these things to our families, to our people. Now Hashem's Baruch should bring them back to life for 30 seconds. To bring them all back to life for 30 seconds. Just to be able to be there, just about to be thrown into the place. And that all our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, those who are alive and those who are no longer alive, and all of us together would be zaychid to see the Simra is Osha. V'arisha, v'hara, v'arisha kula, ba'osha, ki'osha, t'ichla. V'esmem shalos azadayim, ta'avim and ha'aris, where the kingdom of wickedness will be removed from the world and the sickness of Tishabav will be transformed into the biggest, biggest, biggest yantif. We should be zayichim, Mr. Shem, to see that pillar of fire, to see that smoke of our enemies. We should be zayichim, Mr. Shem, to see every Jew back in his home. I want everybody to remember also that Tishabab is the time to remember what happened to our brothers and sisters in Gush Katif a few years ago. Which I've spoken about over the years. The homelessness and the emptiness. What's it like to see your home go up in smoke? Your yeshiva, your bismedrish being destroyed, what's that like? We should be zayichim to Hashem for all of us to be back in our home. Yishalayim the Gulash of Amitish Mahiliyam Enu Amen.